Program guests and Craig Roberts not affiliated with Vitucci & Associates. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Vitucci & Associates have no liability for information discussed. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal professional prior to taking action. Securities and advisory services offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC, Vitucci & Associates, and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated. Pat Vitucci says, don't invest and forget. Invest and forget. Invest and forget. Welcome to Don't Invest and Forget, a weekly financial news magazine designed to educate and equip you with the roadmap and direction you need to manage your money. Meet your financial goals and instill confidence in your investment choices on the road to retirement. Your host is author, radio commentator, and investment advisor, Pat Vitucci of Vitucci & Associates. With over 30 years' experience in the world of finance and investment planning, Pat specializes in personal and corporate investment management with special emphasis on retirement planning. Welcome to another edition of Don't Invest and Forget, the program that each and every week helps you keep your finger on the pulse of your money from Wall Street to Main Street to your wallet. Our host, 30-plus year financial manager, author, and the principal of Vitucci and Associates, Pat Vitucci. Well, Pat, we hear from our listeners, and it's quite interesting, sort of the cornucopia of folks out there in the audience, everything from folks already at retirement who tune in to receive insights and information about how to properly manage their retirement dollars, to folks that are just getting started, other people that perhaps are married in the middle of their working career and have never taken the time to really sit down and develop a financial plan. They're not yet really certain how they're going to make it at retirement. For those folks, maybe you can spend some time today, Pat, taking a look at how to develop a financial strategy or a financial plan. Well, we probably have the ingredients in our house somewhere, Greg. In the bottom kitchen drawer is one statement. In the top bedroom drawer in your sock drawer is another statement. (laughs) You've been going through my house again, haven't you? (laughs) Your stock certificates are between the mattress. You have a lockbox with a couple gold bars and grandma's ring and maybe a deed in the garage in that hidden place behind the uh, two by fours, when my grandfather died, my grandmother found a whole bunch of money in, in the garage behind some two by fours. My point is we've got things strewn about. God forbid we die tomorrow, our family would be in complete disarray. But more importantly, let's hope for a long lasting life. And we want to put together kind of a roadmap a financial plan that documents all these various pieces. For all of our clients, we prepare a financial plan, which is an inventory of all of our assets, all our liabilities. Kind of an eye-opener, Craig. And many times when we prepare these, it's enlightening to the client. It's certainly all new to me when I see these, but they look as surprised as I do when I look at these numbers. It's like the first time they've ever looked at these numbers. It sounds like, Pat, one of the most important key first steps is to gather all this information information together, wherever you have it located or hidden or strewn about the house, related to not just where your assets might be, but your liabilities as well. How much money do you owe on the house? How much money is owed on the car payments? Really get that sense of what your assets are, what your liabilities are, as that all-important first step when they come in perhaps and sit down for a one-on-one meeting working toward developing a long-term financial plan. The other thing I have to mention is we have found many prospects who call us and come in for that no-cost, no-obligation consultation. The stock certificates, which are negotiable securities, are many times not put in lockboxes, just kind of tucked away somewhere. And if they're lost, that money is gone. And I have seen clients walk in with folded envelopes that contain some very valuable stock certificates worth hundreds of thousands of dollars 
just kind of casually tossed about in with your PG&E bills and your Blue Cross and Blue Shield bills. Oh, by the way, what is this, Pat? And they bring out a stock certificate worth a lot of money. And here we are with some very important elements that can direct and drive a financial plan one way or the other. So I want to caution listeners to be very careful you don't want to lose statements. There's not somebody that's going to call you tomorrow and say, hey, Craig, you know, they just don't make those calls. All right. So once we've gathered together all that important information of our assets and our liabilities, what's the next important step, Pat, when it comes toward developing a plan toward retirement? We really want to look at the assets and understand the risk levels, for certainly. Do you have a lot of overlapping risk? Do you have too much in stocks or too much in bonds? Does it still fit your appetite for risk? Given your age today, well, what kind of risk levels should you take? And are they the right sectors of the market, given where the economy is today? We talk about don't invest and forget. It really speaks to what sectors are your money's in today and are they participating in this wonderful market that we're having? And that includes, by the way, Craig, old 401ks, old IRAs at the bank. You have a Roth at the credit union. Assets kind of strewn about. So you want to gather your assets together and put together a net worth statement. So clearly assets are the first primary ingredient. And then you look at your liabilities. What kind of mortgage debt do you have? Do you have Visa MasterCard debt? Do you have a car loan? Do you have a boat loan? Do you have a motorcycle loan? And we want to look at what does that debt look like? So we look at your net worth statement, both assets and liabilities, and then build a roadmap to how to improve on either the asset growth or shrinking the liability side review of how to drive the debt number down and the asset number up. Now, many of us watched our parents and our grandparents successfully retire, perhaps on a pension or Social Security alone. But that in recent years has changed dramatically, and many baby boomers really need to consider what they're going to do in addition to their Social Security check in order to retire. And hopefully the answer, Craig, is not, I'm going to work until I'm 87 years old. We'd like to at least slow things down. Maybe our health will not even allow us to work beyond what used to be considered normal. I mean, this age of 65, you know, guess what? Our health is allowing us to work longer and we're getting value out of working, not just for money anymore. We frequently are in a position to work because we enjoy it. A lot of my clients enjoy working and don't necessarily need the money, but they enjoy the social experience and the value they're adding to people's lives. And so it really is a way to evaluate not only income management, but time management also comes into play, Craig. Time management, that often is a big barrier for many investors today. They simply don't have the time to sort of mind the store, so to speak, and so they take the autopilot approach. They maybe establish a 401k at work or set up an IRA, start setting money aside, they've bought a plan here or there, and then it's been years since they've gone back and revisited the performance of those plans. How dangerous is that? Well, it's dangerous, and guess what? It's very common. Sadly, people are very diligent and studious in saving money, but they may not be passionate or interested enough to redeploy where those dollars are going. And so to redirect, to adjust that portfolio as often as we need to based on changing market conditions. Don't invest and forget simply says what was a good idea last quarter 
maybe a terrible idea this quarter. Large company stocks sometimes are very favorable and sometimes small company stocks or bonds or mortgages or utilities or emerging markets is sometimes the preferred place to have our clients' monies. And so many times if you're an engineer, you're, you're a doctor, you're a plumber, you're a teacher, you're very passionate about the work you do and you may not have any passion in readjusting your portfolio. It's not a question of being smart enough to, you just don't have the time or the energy or the passion to reflect on where the markets are going today. And that's where we want to grow the money in good markets and preserve it in declining markets. And that really is critically important because as you point out, Pat, so often folks just simply don't have the time or perhaps, Pat, don't have a sense of confidence in the decisions that they might make related to the purchase of stocks and bonds and their appetite for risk and what exactly is a good balanced portfolio for them. And then to sit there and to invest the time weekly, monthly, managing the performance of that portfolio. Craig, I think you hit it right on the head. It's really the confidence. It's not a question of intelligence. It's the confidence that they have today to make those reallocations. And and we end up procrastinating. And meanwhile, Market sectors come and market sectors go in terms of how favorable they are today. And sadly, we get a lot of listeners come in and they come in. It's like confession. I have to admit, Pat, I invested and forgot. I wanted to do it, but you know, I was tired at nine o'clock at night when I finally sat down to watch a half an hour of the news. And you're not going to sit there and figure out, okay, should I move my money from large caps to small caps or to bond funds? You got to do it with a fresh mind. And first thing in the morning, you're off running to work or weekends, you've got a lot of activities going on. And so it tends to be the last thing you do or you don't do it at all. Now, if folks would like to schedule one of those financial life checkups, what does it cost for that? Greg, there's a whopping cost of $0. It's a public service. We are an educational radio show. We like to bring good ideas to our listeners. And guess what? In most cases, after we do that free financial checkup, we can many times find ways and improve performance, improve it from so many angles, because in many cases, either we've provided some value to that listener, we are confident that many of those listeners who come in will see some value in our services. To take advantage of that complimentary financial health and retirement plan review that Pat spoke of just a moment ago, why not call toll-free 888-PLAN-WISE. That's 888-PLAN-WISE. Easier still, you can schedule your appointment conveniently online by going to DontInvestAndForget.com. That's DontInvestAndForget.com. In addition to scheduling your appointment online, you'll also find a number of resources available through the Investor Education tab, including articles and topics such as what we've discussed today on the program. Again, that's DontInvestAndForget.com to get more information or to schedule your complimentary appointment in any of the Bay Area offices of Vitucci & Associates. DontInvestAndForget.com Tucci says, don't invest and forget, invest and forget, invest and forget. My special guest today is Robert Sheeman. Robert is the author of How Come That Idiot's Rich and I'm Not. In his book, he shows readers how they can become rich idiots. Robert, congratulations. This is your 11th book. 
That's correct. What made you get such an impolite title as, how come that idiot's rich and I'm not? Well, you know, we've all thought it, and uh, that's why I kind of got started is, you know, I wasn't doing very well, I wasn't making any money, and I looked around and said, wait a minute, you know, look at all these rich idiots, and I met a few people who were not the brightest bulbs in the tanning bed, so to speak, good people, having a great life, and I said, if they can do it, I can do it. What are they doing that anybody can do? And so I kind of laid it out very simply in a book, and, you know, if you follow the steps, which uh, I'm sure you talk a lot about, you will get there over time. The question is, why aren't more people doing it? Is it a cultural thing? Is it a mindset? Is it a type A personalities only achieve this level? Is there any common thread that you've seen? Yeah, the common thread is it has nothing to do with intelligence, background, starting with money, being super smart or a type A or B personality. It's basically people that take simple actions over time. Uh, there's no get-rich-quick scheme, but I met all these people who are just doing these simple things over and over again, and it worked. You know, I myself was voted least likely to succeed. The guy that got me started, who was a multimillionaire, never graduated high school, didn't have a computer, doesn't have one now. So, you know, education or personality type or background has nothing to do with it. It's all about doing some simple things that everybody knows. The question is, why aren't they doing it? You know, as a kid, I love to play Monopoly. I think the only thing I learned from Monopoly, it's the whole idea of leveraging your time and leveraging your assets. Is that That's kind of, take is a little it, bit of risk, you know, not too much. Working hard, but also getting your money to work hard. Isn't that one of the keys? You know, your money is always going to work harder than you. And a lot of people are probably saying right now, well, I don't have any money or don't have enough. How can I get it to work for me? So the first thing you got to do is decide where you want to be. You know, everybody's out there working and saving or, or hopefully saving something, running around. We help people determine what their goals are, where they want to be 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. What's the number? And my definition of rich for people is maybe a little different. Definition of rich is you can do whatever you want to do when you want to do it and not have to worry about money. And for everybody uh, listening, that could be a different number. It could be 3000 a month, 10000 a month, 30000 a month. Whatever it is, figure out what it is and, and let's show you how to get there. So you talk about OPM, other people's money, building and building wealth, and that's really what you're underscoring right now, aren't you? Well, yeah, that's part of it. There's really only uh, one way to get wealthy, and that's own asset. You're never going to get wealthy uh, basically trading your uh, hours for dollars. And the only three assets you can really own are, of course, systematic stock and bond uh, investing over time. Uh, Number two is real estate. And number three is starting your own business, which is creating an asset. I personally like to do all three but you have to pick at least one to get wealthy materially over time. We've all seen the statistics. The average American is in a lot of debt. You talk in your book about good debt and bad debt. How can good debt help achieve some of these financial goals? And there's a subtle difference, but it has a big exponential difference in how that money grows between good debt and bad debt. That's right. And, you know, most really wealthy people understand what good debt is, and they don't have any bad debt. Bad debt is debt on depreciating assets or assets you've already used up, like uh, clothes, cars, uh, furniture, uh, cruises. You know, I I pay my credit cards off every month, so I'm using money free for 30 or 45 days. And the good debt is debt for investing that you understand, that you're comfortable with, not speculating, not borrowing more you can afford to pay back, but debts on real estate or business where the money coming in is much greater than the debt going out and the asset is going to appreciate over time. Now, we're not speculators. We're not uh, you know, borrowing money to buy uh, gold for a week or something like that. It's a long-term investing in assets that are going to appreciate over time. One thing I think you point out really nicely is time is an asset. A minute it just passed in the last 60 seconds. We can't get that back. It's gone. It's gone. And the question Did we use it productively, effectively? We'll never get that minute back. And how will you spend the next five minutes, the next five hours, (laughs) the next five months 
Time is an asset, isn't it? Yeah, we teach about attractor time, whatever they're doing, and, and how to use it, because that's really what it's all about, is getting more time to do what you love to do. And I'll give you an example. You know, we're talking about money. Most people, a lot of smart people out there try to figure it all out themselves, you know, play the stock market, figure out which uh, is the best uh, fund to get into. I want to do other things with my time, so I get experts to help me out. That's what most rich idiots do. A lot of people out there think they have to do everything themselves. They don't. You know, I've got a good financial planner. I've got a good accountant, bookkeeper. They do all this stuff for me. I've got a good attorney. So I can go out and do what I do best and have more free time. And that's why a lot of people never get started investing, saving, building a business, is they think they have to do everything themselves, and it's not true. Getting wealthy is a team sport. Rich is not just defined as money, but true wealth comes from gratitude for the things that really count in life, family and freedom of time to do what you want to do. You can't always keep score with balancing your savings account. That's absolutely right. And how come that it's rich and I'm not? We talk about being rich, and the kind of different thing about this book, the last chapter is turn it all on its head. It's not a number. And I'll give you an example. I've got a friend worth $12 million. That's a, that's a pretty good chunk of money. And he's worried about money every day, stressed out, doesn't enjoy himself. He's not rich. I don't care how much money he has. So if you don't start with gratitude, and you know, here in America, most of us materially are so wealthy compared to the rest of the world, we, we don't even have any idea. You know, Half the world doesn't even have access to drinking water. Most people live on less than a dollar a day. So if you're making 10, 20, 30, 100, 200, $300 an hour, if you don't have grateful for what you have, I don't think you can ever be rich. So it's really, as you pointed out, it's that mindset of being appreciative of what you have, but just to challenge yourself and grow more. So actually you can give more to your charity of choice, share your gifts. That's right. And, you know, we tell people whatever makes you happy, that's what you need to do more of, you know, whether it's boating, uh, getting a Lamborghini, uh, taking a cruise, spending time with your family. But most people, especially wealthy people, you know, there's a myth, you know, wealthy people are greedy, they're mean. That's false. Wealthy people give a much larger percentage of their income to charity than, than middle class or poor people. And I think it's a responsibility to get wealthy because, you know, most of us like to help other people. So if you have $100,000, you can help some people. But if you have a million dollars, you can help a lot more people, whether it's your family, your friends, or your charity of choice. So I think it's an obligation to make sure that you get wealthy and that money's going where you want it to go and you're doing what you want to do now. You know, Robert, I'm going to put you on the spot. We have some politicians who define rich people as bad people and they're evil people and we're going to get them and how dare they make all that money. But what you point out is absolutely right on. Rich people give a lot more. They create jobs. But there's some in the political world who demonize almost those rich folks for making all that money and doing good works, doing good deeds. Well, thanks for bringing that up. That's one of the myths about money is, is you know, to be wealthy, you got to be greedy and mean and tough and step on people. And look at them, besides the politicians, look at the media. You know, you look at these movies or shows like Titanic. You know, I want to throw the wealthy people overboard. They were mean and greedy. And that is just a myth. It's not true. Look at the two wealthiest people in this country, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett. They're giving all their fortune away, you know, or 90% of it. I mean, they're making huge inroads. Again, statistically, wealthy people generally are uh, more generous by two times in the percent of income they give to charity. And, you know, a lot of people spend the first part of their life getting a lot of assets, which is fantastic. And then they spend the last part of their life giving them away or making them sure they go to the right places like family and charity. So I tell people, why not start now you know, when you're young doing that? But again, that's just a big myth. And by the way, look at those politicians' income, $10, $20 million a year. I don't think they'd be poor by any means. I've had the pleasure of interviewing Robert Sheeman. Robert is the author of 
How come that idiot's rich and I'm not? Robert, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What are some of the things that our listeners, what are some of the first steps? You know, how do I get started in this cultural mindset, this different perspective of how to look at life and how to look at money as a friend and not as an evil issue? We go through where people get their ideas about money because you really have to look at the root. And I know myself, I have a great family. I was brought up. Anytime I asked for anything, whether it was a nickel piece of gum or a $10 toy, it was like, Robert, we can't afford this. Most people like myself come from a mentality of scarcity, you know, being rich or very wealthy for other people. You have to really work hard and do it all yourself. And that's not true. And we really look at all those myths of getting rich. You know, rich people are mean and greedy, which we just talked about, which is not true. My mother uh, and a lot of people's moms who are great moms told me, don't go outside without a coat, you'll catch a cold. Well, that's not how you catch a cold. It's from viruses and bacteria. You know, so we got to really examine where we come up with these ideas of money. And the bottom line is a lot of us were taught to go work hard for a company, work hard for somebody else, and then when you're 70 years old, if you saved a few dollars, you can uh, retire, have fun for a year or two, and then you die. I didn't like that plan. And the, basically, the only way to get wealthy is own and create assets. And you've got to pick a way to do it. Before we do that, we get you to uh, basically look at a spending plan. We don't call it a savings or debt reduction plan because we want to make money fun. Everything has energy. If you say it's hard work, then it's hard work. Whatever you focus on grows. If you say it's difficult or I can't do it, then you're right. It is difficult and you can't do it. You know, we tell people, one, we show how to get your debt, your bad debt under control, get a cushion, and then start systematic investing. You got to look at asset allocation. I use the pros. I mean, I understand this stuff. I can do it, but I want to go get a professional to sit down with me and say, Robert, what are your goals? And uh, look at what I'm doing and make sure that what I'm doing is going to meet those goals, whatever they are, financially over the long term. And then, of course, I, I think real estate's an asset. We have a chapter called Three Deals and You're Done. Imagine if your mom or grandmother would have got um, three pieces of real estate and you still had them in your family today. What would your net worth be? Same thing's probably going to happen over the next 10, 15, 20 years. And the third thing, of course, is starting your own business, even part-time. It's not for everybody, but you got to start that systematic investing program for the long term. And you know, everyone hears about the market. It's a good time. You got to get started investing. And the other thing is get help. You don't have to do it all by yourself. Robert, in your book, you said rich idiots love real estate. What's your updated version of real estate now? Always the same. We buy and I teach people and rich idiots buy everything wholesale, real estate, cars, jewelry, whatever. And there's a retail market, which most people pay full price for stuff, including real estate. And unfortunately, a lot of people who didn't follow this advice paid full price for some real estate. The market went down 10, 20, 30 percent in some areas. Uh, Rich Hitty always buys way below market. So if the market drops a little bit, they're still okay. And they're buying for the long term, just like investing. So our focus isn't six months or a year or two. It's 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years. And over time, generally, stocks, bonds, real estate do fantastic. The question is, is why haven't people started acquiring those assets? And in a down market, when everyone else is selling, I believe it's a good time to be buying. When everyone else is buying, it's a good time to be selling. So this is not a get-rich-quick scheme. You're not suggesting by two weeks from next Thursday, folks are going to be absolutely you know, multimillionaires sitting back on the beach and traveling on their big yacht. This is hard work, and this is you know diligence. It's not getting that hot stock tip that's going to you know quadruple over the next month. This is not some uh, false idea of, you know, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. 
But and there is no get rich quick scheme. There's no everyone's looking for the secret magic button. There's no such thing. Rich it is to simple things over time. And uh, you mentioned something else, the hot stock tip. It's like Vegas. You always hear about that person at work who says, "Oh, I bought that stock and it you know went up 300 percent last year. I hit a home run." But they never tell you about the 20 other stocks they picked that went down. You know, they tell you about the one trip to Vegas, but they never tell you about the other 18 trips where they lost money. So you've got to have a professional plan, systematic, long term. And I always uh, tell people to ask themselves this question for business, for money, for their time, and it's a big one. What's my focus? Is it the market? Is it interest rate? Or is it your short, medium, and long-term goals? If your focus is making money long-term, retirement, systematic savings, investing, systematic real estate, starting your own business, that's the only way to go. you got to pick one at least and stick with it. I do all three. A lot of rich idiots do all three. In your chapter, you talk about really moderation in life. Certainly having focus and drive to build wealth, but also specifically mentioned spending time for vacations, family, friends, that moderation, that balance. Otherwise, you burn out and you want to just go live in the forest, right? You know, money's just energy. You know, what are you going to do with it? I've not had money and it, I didn't like it. And I've had a lot of money and I like it a lot better. <laughs> so I highly recommend the latter. But I'll tell you this is what's it all about is time. And how are you spending your time? We teach people What's important is is family, friends, and a lot of people are spending so much time doing stuff they don't want to do, bookkeeping, accounting, running a business, trying to figure out uh, the intricacies of the stock market. My job in all my businesses and investing is to do nothing. I want to have fun. I want to spend time with my son and travel, do spiritual, religious pursuits, whatever you like to do. So we teach people to track their time and analyze what are they doing, what's making them money, what do they love to do, and get them to do more of what they love to do and more of what's really making them money over time. All right, so there's somebody out there saying, you know what, this sounds great, but I don't have any money. I'm not smart enough. I've got so many things going against me. You know, your ideas are great, but this is really pertains to somebody else. Right, and, you know, everyone thinks that, and I tell people, whatever you think, you're right. But I'll tell them this. I was a busboy from Nashville, Tennessee. I graduated 424 out of 425. I failed pretty much every class. I was told I would never be able to go to college and, you know, to go work for a factory for 50 years. And, you know, the number one determinant of success is desire. And uh, I have a 14-year-old son. I'm a single dad. And there's one thing I don't allow in my house is the word I can't. Those are excuses. Ask, how can I? When I did my first investment, I had no money, no credit. So I found someone who had money and credit, and we split the deal. 50% of 90000 is better than zero. So there's always a way to do it if you want to, but if you don't want to, you're not going to do it. And systematic stock market investing, we teach about to get out of debt, start with five, 10, 20 bucks. And, and you know this, $89 a week, if you pick the wrong, you know, one that didn't even outperform the market in 30 years becomes over a million dollars. That's what most people spend on, you know, parking tickets or coffee last week. So, you know, the thing is you just got to get started. We're talking today with Robert Cheeman. Robert is the author of How Come That Idiot's Rich and I'm Not. In this book, he talks about building wealth with a three-part plan. If you'd like to come in for our consultation or talk with Robert, give us a call or go to our website, our toll-free number, one plan wise That's 1-888-P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E. We give you a full financial health checkup. Call one plan wise That's 1-888-P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E. We'll talk about some of the rudimentary things that drives wealth. We fully subscribe to what Robert's talking about here. It's not just the millionaires that need help. The millionaires obviously have created this panel of experts that Robert is talking about. The rest of us 
If you'd like to come in for our financial health checkup, give us a call. one plan wise That's 1-888-P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E. Any questions for Robert, call one plan wise That's 1-888-P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E. Robert, thank you so much. Best of luck and continued success with your very well-written book. Well, thank you. I think you're offering a service to folks with no obligations. Amazing just to sit down and plan where they want to go and how to get there. Everybody needs to do that. That's what I did. Take action. Do it. Do it now. Call 888-P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E. Robert, thanks so much. Happy investing. Pat Fittucci says, don't invest and forget. Invest and forget. Invest and forget. For most adults in their 50s or perhaps early 60s, when you begin thinking about retirement, kind of bringing the car back into their garage again after many laps around the track of maybe 35, 45 years of working, some people think that's it, one and I'm done. But for growing millions of Americans, the notion of an encore career, of basically taking a second look at working and maybe fulfilling some dreams that went unfulfilled throughout your early working years really sets the tone for a refired retirement. And Pat, certainly sometimes there are economic considerations for this, but in many cases, folks just decide, you know, there was always that one thing that eluded me, and now finally I have a time to go back to school, maybe to pick up some skills, and to try my hand at that encore career. You know, Craig, I think you've got a real good opportunity to have an encore career that may even surpass your regular career. I've got nothing but hope for you. I think just about to hit your prime when you move into your encore career. And guess what? There's a lot of people that maybe have done a whole lot better in their encore career than in their real job. What do you think of that? Indeed so. 76 million baby boomers born between 1946 and 1964. Largest generation, although the millennials are about to take over that. But more than 65 million boomers are still alive today and 10,000 retiring every day. So we've got a whole bubble of folks that are saying, wait a minute, I really want to quit my regular job, but I don't want to sit home and watch soap operas all day long. And nearly 80% will seek some encore career to either supplement income or because they want some challenge intellectually, keep them pretty sharp. In fact, 60% of people who have retired said they retired too soon. I know personally, I've got a lot of tennis buddies that said the worst thing they ever did was retire. We like certainly the money aspect of it, but it's the camaraderie. It's the, if you're part of a team, if you're part of a building effort, the social interaction, you go out to lunch with your buddies, maybe you go out for a drink after work, you get a cup of coffee with them. There's a whole lifestyle that goes along with Work work used to be a, like a dirty word. Oh, my God, I've got to go to work. I hate Monday mornings. And then as you evolve and you kind of mature into that process, it kind of defines your life, who you're dealing with, who you're socializing with. Many of us socialize with people that we work with because guess what? You spend a lot of time with them. You get to know them. In some cases, you get to like them. But boomers have been kind of a different kind of a generation. They've been described as hardworking, ambitious workaholics. And they're independent, they're confident, they're self-reliant. They really think they changed the world as the original anti-establishmentarians. They did, remember, in the 70s and the 80s with all the movements that this group went through. But they're generally dedicated, they're focused on achievement, they're goal-setters, they're competitive. They correlate work with self-worth, and that's why I think 
That's the most important reason why boomers have an encore career. You didn't see that, Craig, with prior generations where grandma and grandpa worked the farm or worked in the factory or even worked in the office. They didn't have an encore career. They, they went home and they sat on the front porch and drank lemonade or played shuffleboard for a year or two or three and then became too ill and sadly died way too early. Boomers were pretty much raised in a middle-class affluence kind of environment. So they've been pretty blessed with pretty nice environment. After the greatest generation, all the Depression babies worked really hard. They worked through World War II. They worked through the Depressions. They really created a lifestyle that was the envy of the world. The whole suburbia movement was born. People moved out of the cities to beautiful suburbs with homes lined up and down the street and backyards and swimming pools in their own backyards. And the kids had bicycles. They'd bicycle to school. Whole new world. There wasn't a Lululemon shop down in town. There weren't cell phones. There was hardly a Burger King. Burger King and McDonald's was just on the forefront. So think of just in the last 30, 40, 50 years, how the landscape has changed, how our interaction with business and with our friends and, and family has changed. We're now texting and you often think if somebody died 50 years ago and came back today and would walk down the street and be just amazed at how much has changed. So encore careers, they tend to go into healthcare, they go into the environment, they go into government education or a lot of nonprofits. You, you volunteer at the local theater or you volunteer at the Meals on Wheels or some altruistic opportunity to give back society. You're not sitting home on your butt getting fat, eating bonbons all day long, but it's really an outlet to express your passion that you've gained through probably your professional life. But it really is an opportunity to focus more on your passion and less on the need to make a buck. Teaching, consulting for the, some of these nonprofits with your skills are so portable that you can create significant opportunities for people who are less blessed. Some even go into drama. Our local theater here has a lot of senior citizen people who are now up on stage carrying out some hidden idea for many, many years that they were wanted to be an actor or an actress. And so the drama part of theater is very attractive. How about painting or music? Boy, I, I have zero skills in painting or musically. I am not talented at all, but maybe when I retire, maybe I'll try taking music lessons again. I tried like 30 years ago and my music teacher after three lessons said, you know, maybe the piano is not right for you. And I had some choice words for her, but maybe she was right, but maybe I need to give that a second try. Maybe I've evolved. What do you think, Craig? Do you think I have a chance at uh, yeah, playing You know playing what? I, I, any, any potential appearances on America's Got Talent, I, I just don't think it's going to I don't see it in the cards. <laughs> you really got me uh, depressed now. I thought, we'll, I, thought we'll, I would. We'll, we'll pay you not to I, sing. I, I thought I had a chance. <laughs> we'll pay you not to sing. How about So You Think You Can Dance? You think I can go on that show? Yeah. I, I, think I, I think I got a shot at that one. There, there's Maybe. a second career for you nope. somewhere, but I don't think it's on the stage unless it's the next stage out of town. You need to help me find a second career because <laughs> I need an encore career once I I finish up on my financial career, not that anytime soon, but it's an interesting observation that a lot of boomers don't want to just sit around and do nothing. They still want to contribute. They still need recognition. We all need to have our ego stroked in some way, shape or form. And so I think the encore career kind of does that for us. And we feel good about giving back 
Whether we make a couple bucks, I think that's secondary. Many cases, encore careers don't pay any, anything, and, and maybe that's that's okay. But as I said, boomers correlate work with self-esteem. And so if we feel like we need to feel worthy, we probably would elected to go out and pound the pavement and do something in some way, shape, or form. It's an interesting development that 76 million boomers will engage in some way, shape, or form. And from a voluntary point of view, boy, this country should be blessed with a whole bunch more volunteers coming out for their special cause. Now, question, Pat, on the career side of this, let's say someone does decide to engage in sort of that uh, encore career. Are there considerations from a tax standpoint that they need to be aware of in terms of the potential impact on their Social Security earnings? Well, most of these careers that we've talked about today are very low paying. Charity groups just don't have the budgets or modest paying. And so it probably is going to be negligibly impacting their total income unless you find some home run career that you can really contribute in a big way and they're willing to pay you big bucks. Then of course it would have big implications and maybe you would opt not to take social security for a couple more years. But generally speaking, it's not going to have a huge impact. Except in your case, Craig, where you'll probably demand big bucks and get it because of your immense talents outside of this radio world. You know, on that note, it's a good time to take a time out. If you want to get more information, by the way, on this look at an encore career, we urge you to drop by the Kate. <laughs> you be, you better back? start your encore career right now. Right Craig. now, yeah. <laughs> to get more details on this article on how you can refire and start a new encore career, just simply log on to don'tinvestandforget.com. If you go to our investor education tab, there you'll find a whole plethora <laughs> on articles on a variety of topics, including refiring your career and engaging in that encore career. Again, go to don'tinvestandforget.com and click on the Investor Education tab. You've been listening to Don't Invest and Forget with author and investment advisor, Pat Fatucci. To gain more information about any of the topics discussed on today's program or to schedule your appointment for a no-obligation financial plan tune-up in one of Bay Area offices of Fatucci & Associates near you, go to don'tinvestandforget.com. That's don'tinvestandforget.com. Or call toll-free, 888-PLAN-WISE. That's 888-P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E. Or visit don'tinvestandforget.com. Program guests and Craig Roberts not affiliated with Vitucci & Associates. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Vitucci & Associates have no liability for information discussed. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal professional prior to taking action. Securities and advisory services offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC, Vitucci & Associates, and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated.